Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifled barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tapacu uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tapacu meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tapicue.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your cue. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Nation, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 78, Mating Putellas with Hunt Eat. On this episode of the Huntivore, Mating Putellas... CEO of Hunt to Eat joins Nick for a chat about a wild foodie's favorite fashion wear. Hunt to Eat started as just a t-shirt company that has blossomed into an organization whose mission encompasses community, real food, and conservation. Mating opens up about his start in the outdoors as a kid, how the phrase food for fuel relates to his upbringing, a love of photography leads to getting behind the rifle, and reveals some incredible new content coming from Hunt to Eat. All this and more on the next episode of Hunt for. Well, hey, good afternoon, folks. Welcome to another episode here of the Hunt of War. Uh, man, it's really getting sticky here. Late part of July here in Michigan. Humidity has been up. The mosquitoes have also found their way uh, into the woods. It's constant trying to beat those things wow. off. Really soupy, but at the same time, it's summer, so we got to enjoy it while we got it. Uh, tonight, or excuse me, this afternoon, I am joined by the CEO of Hunt to Eat. I am joined by Mating Putellis, who happened to just finish uh, earlier this month his ultra marathon. Mating, congratulations. What did it feel like to run 100 miles straight? I was, uh, it was, it was, it was good. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a solid effort. I, uh, I was 
well prepared and uh, actually was able to beat my goal time uh, by about 40 minutes. So that was unexpected. You, I think, you know, if you match your A goal expectations, you're doing pretty well. So I was, I was kind of blown away to, to go 40 minutes faster and, uh, you know, pumped to go under 24 hours. I was at right at 20 hours and 48 minutes. So yeah, it was a good, it was a good day out. It was a good day in Michigan. I had, uh, not seen that part of my, uh, of my home state where I grew up. So, um, yeah, it was kind of fun. We ran from the mission point, uh, lighthouse down the peninsula and then back up towards Petoskey to the Petoskey lighthouse. So yeah, pretty beautiful course. Yeah, that whole section of Traverse City, Petoskey, even even Ludington, a little bit further south, just wonderful, yep. wonderful scenery. Um, was this something that you have? Have you been a runner, or was this just one of those things where you were like, you know what, I want to jump in and slowly work my way up to a hundred miles? Or has running been a thing that you've uh, you've enjoyed for many years? Um, well, I, I would say that it's taken, it has taken me my, the eight years that I've been running consistently, it's taken me that eight years to get to a hundred miles. I know a lot of folks, you know, jump in and do it a lot sooner, but, um, yeah, it took me a while to get to that point. Um, but, uh, I actually attempted my first hundred miler last summer, um, when all the races got canceled due to, due to the old, uh, uh, COVID, um, and I'm actually made it 80 miles on my own. Um, but, uh, much different course here in Colorado, of course, uh, a lot more elevation gain and whatnot, but, um, yeah, so it took me a while to get to it. And, um, you know, I'm definitely not over. Of course, that was uh, mostly a road marathon, ultra marathon. So I'm pumped to get out back on the trails and, and try one here, probably in Colorado or somewhere more in elevation, uh, a little, little bit tougher. So. Gotcha. It just got your palate wet at this point. You're, you're looking for more. That's great. Yep. I, I, you know, just like with everybody, you start on a bike, um, you know, pedal bike. And then, you know, we, we did some of the trails down here as, as younger, but yeah, I've, I've last year during the whole COVID mess up, I, uh, or two years ago, I guess, um, I ended up getting a, a fat tire bike and then jumping into mountain biking. And like you said, that little bit of getting off the beaten path and being, in something that's a little more wild, something that's a little more challenging really does add a fun element. So yes, a way step back from say a hundred miles, but at the same time, I, I like where you're going on the intensity bit where you're, uh, you're looking for something a little bit more, a little more challenging to, to up the yeah. fun aspect. Totally. Totally. Trails are roads are roads have been okay during, uh, during COVID, uh, mostly just to kind of be away from people, but uh, I definitely prefer the trails. So, yeah, excited to get back out there. Um, kind of probably after the, well, that's not actually true. During the hunting season, probably I'll still get out, but I'm actually dealing with a pretty bad back injury right now. So I apologize if I sound a little loopy. I'm on a couple of muscle relaxants and some prednisone right now, but uh, I'll try to I'll try to stay focused for the crowd out there. Good, good work. Yeah, well, if you if you sound out, we'll just uh, wait for you to get back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, jumping into a little bit of our discussion here. Um, you know, loving to run outdoors. What was your introduction to the outdoors? Was that something that you were self-motivated um, in doing or just being in your family? Was it really something that was presented to you like, hey, we are an outdoor family and, and we do this? Um, we well, so I'd say we were latchkey kids um, growing up. So we just and there was definitely green space around us growing up in Kalamazoo. So we did that on, you know, on our own right. Just we were always out. We were out on bikes and out in the 
bushes and building forts and you know all that kind of stuff um and ultimately i was uh pretty we were pretty involved in boy scouting um we had a latvian boy scout troop in kalamazoo that uh, was pretty active so i'd say that's probably where i got my my actual start in being outside all the time um we also given given our latvian heritage we were we spent a lot of time at a kind of well i call the it's like a it's a camp resort kind of thing down in the three rivers um so we were just always outside there as well um so between the two of those things and then uh you know my dad was a hunter growing up um we didn't I, we didn't really get along so i didn't spend much time with him in the woods but we still got out enough to like um learn a little thing or two about hunting um we certainly ate plenty of you know deer growing up um and we were out there building blinds with him and stuff like that and looking at sign and whatnot so I definitely got a taste for it, um, even though I didn't start hunting until about 12 years ago. So, um, I, you know, I started much later in life uh, compared to my brother, who was, who was kind of my dad's right-hand man growing up. So, um, yeah. Well, good. It's fun to know that, you know, there's you can start at any time. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, 10 years now. Yeah. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you, is that it was uh, not too long after I finally got, like, my for my career job, I was like, "Hey, I have free time now. I want to yep. jump into the hunting that you know my buddies have been doing this whole time." But now that I'm, I got the free time. I want a chance to do that, and I'm sure it was a steep learning curve, especially for somebody who moves because you're you grew up here in Michigan and now you've moved out west. Um, what was that learning curve to, you know, learning how to hunt deer in? Kalamazoo, Michigan, and then turn around and now be like, "Oh man, this is a whole new beast out here." Well, yeah. So I actually did. I have, uh, I've never hunted deer in Michigan. Um, I've only hunted now having been grown up. Um, I've hunted some ducks, ducks. Yeah, we did. I did a big photo shoot out there. So we hunted ducks with that, um, a couple of years ago, but, uh, yeah, so I actually, I just moved to Arizona, uh, to, to go into college, um, after a couple of years of community college. Um, so it really wasn't until I moved, you know, done with that kind of done with seven years of, guiding work um and then i finally settled in uh kind of in colorado near my brother um so it was only it was only then um which is 12 years ago that i started to hunt so um it was good to have uh obviously uh for folks who know kind of our family the patels family they know my brother so him being the big game hunting guide and whatnot um you know i kind of had it easy and i had a professional guide who was taking me out to teach me how to hunt so um i think i I uh, dodged a few bullets there, and uh, my learning curve was actually pretty – was ramped up really fast uh, thanks to him. Yeah, if there ever wasn't a cheat code is to have your brother yeah. <laughs> be honest. <laughs> but yep. uh, not yep. carrying a rifle, I would say your first love was photography. So you were shooting, but it doesn't wasn't necessarily bullets or arrows at this point. Was it um, more adventure sport that you got into doing the, the photography, or were you into, into shooting – um, landscapes, wildlife, what, where was your photography taking you? Um, you know, it's been, it's been kind of ongoing. Actually, that's probably the, the first prize I ever won was actually, uh, in a big scout camp. Um, they gave every kid and I was probably, boy, I was eight or nine years old. Uh, they gave every kid a point and shoot, you know, not a, you know, not for, for everyone listening. It's like, you got to think back to the days before digital, um, you know, you wound up the little camera and you had 24 shots and you, you, you know, you 
took took the picture right and so they give every camper one of these things and there was probably some 300 campers there and uh i actually won the like the grand prize like the best photo as a little eight-year-old no um, way i'm one of those little cardboard sheathed cameras those are yep Oh man, those were so good. You press the button to charge the the flash if you needed to check right. the flash at that point. Right. Yep, totally. So yeah, I, I won a Fuji camera, a Fuji point and shoot camera at that point that was still a film camera. And uh so I think from then on I kind of just felt like I had a good eye for photography. So um, you know, I did photography kind of in high school as the uh the photo editor for the school newspaper. Um, all that kind of stuff. And then I tried a few times actually early on, um, to start a business around photography and it didn't really pan out. Um, and then it took, it took a while to into my twenties to finally, or my late twenties to actually kind of figure out, um, you know, my skill set as a, as an adventure kind of sports adventure guy, um, you know, from being a big rock climber and just kind of being comfortable outside and then, uh, comfortable on bikes and comfortable running, um, and ultimately was able to link up with some good mentors and work as a photo assistant for some, some bigger folks, um, where we actually got to shoot commercial shoots, um, uh, for, you know, kind of adventure brands. Uh, and so it was really then that I was able to start build a portfolio and, you know, was able to get some clients and stuff like that. So it's been an ever, uh, you know, an ongoing learning for sure. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there's something in, especially in the arts where it's, very subjective I'm, to make a business out of that. That's one of those like feast or famine things where, you know, once you, <laughs> oh, yeah. if you get people that really like it, like, Hey, hot dog, we're, we're onto something, but man, talk about a flooded market. Cause everybody that does get a camera is like, Oh, I'm going to start a business with this. And sometimes yep. it doesn't always work out. Totally. It is often a race to the bottom. Um, so if you're going <laughs> to make money, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty challenging. I'm, I'm, while I loved doing it for a few years, I definitely appreciate that uh, that Hunt to Eat took over my time, and uh, you know I was lucky enough to to build this brand kind of on the back of some of that work, um, and uh, and move on into into being being in it every day, um, and uh, you know building building out a t-shirt company and apparel company, and and then building it into what we have going on these days, which is. There's a lot to talk about, about what we've got going on in the next uh, month or so uh, and going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, I was going to get into that, too. Like, Hunt to Eat, before we start breaking into uh, the nitty gritties um, about yeah. what, what it has become, um, just as an entrepreneur, was this just something you were like, hey, I, I want to offer something artistic to the the hunting and angling crowd. I want to, you know, I'm not, I want to jump into this. Uh, t-shirt business and then after that took off is is that where the plans began to make it what it is now or was this one of those things where you had that idea of becoming more than a t-shirt uh business at the beginning or is this just something that like Um, all this is working now let's go with it yeah uh i mean i think ultimately with every every good idea right for, for every for every entrepreneur they're always looking for, I think most folks start because they're looking for an answer uh, to something that they, you know, something that bothers them or they don't have, or they'd like to see better or whatnot. Right. So um, yeah, my brother and I had been working together for about, I don't know, maybe a year or so um, at Meat Eater. And uh, we really just saw the need for, uh, to just want to be able to wear something that, 
you know, kind of fit our style um, and, and felt good uh, and also had a good message, you know, around hunting. And so um, we saw, you know, we've, we've, we've seen it kind of in the Patagonia is the thing we always kind of come back to, you know, that's, you know, if I'm wearing clothes generally these days, if it's, if it's not Patagonia, it's probably hunt to eat um, or, uh, or it's camo from Sitka or something like that. Right. But so we wanted something that had that pat of Patagonia feel and had that um, just quality feel. Um, and also wasn't, didn't have like, I don't know, the, the big box store kind of, uh, uh, uh monikers that they put on hunting t-shirts these days, uh, that are still ongoing, um, at those places. We just didn't want to promote that stuff anymore. We wanted to promote kind of the way we hunt or the reason why we hunt. So, um, yeah. So we were in some conversation, somebody came up with the idea of, uh, of making a t-shirt around the idea of we'll hunt for food. Uh, kind of like a, you know, like the guy in the corner who says like, we'll work for food or whatever. We kind of we took that idea. And then ultimately that kind of just transformed into hunt to eat. Um, at which point we, uh, we never found a better, uh, slogan than that. And so we ran with it. Um, but you know, like I said, I was, a, I was, a, I went to school to be a mountain guide or a, an adventure educator. So I really didn't, um, I didn't have much knowledge about building a business, um, particularly not a t-shirt business or what it took to print t-shirts or, you know, make designs or any of that stuff. Um, but nonetheless, we jumped in and we went for it. And so, uh, it took me about three years to get to a point where I quit doing everything else and worked, you know, solely on hunt to eat. Um, but yeah, ultimately it was, uh, the reason why is because we just wanted a better t-shirt. Um, and there wasn't a place to find that at, the, at that time. Um, I'm glad to see, I'm glad to say that, you know, eight years later, there's, uh, there's, you know, all the big brands have caught on to the idea that, uh, that good everyday apparel is, uh, is something that they should be, you know, providing their, uh, their customers. So it's fun to see that it's fun to, it's fun to know that we played a probably a pretty significant role in bringing that about in the hunting industry. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. I folded a lot of those big box store, uh, t-shirts. I, I worked at Gander mountain and I can't tell you how yeah. many like big bucks and trucks and you know, you're folding these things and you're looking at the back of it. You're like, honestly, like this isn't, this isn't what it's about. And right. so, yeah, when, you know, I first got a hold of, uh, some of the heat, uh, the hunt to eat, um, t-shirt designs that were coming through. And then you guys started doing the States. It was like, wow, this is, this is exactly, this rings home with exactly yeah. what, I love to do as a hobby, something that I, you know, like to do as a lifestyle. Like this represents me, not opposed to, you know, granted, some of the artwork on there was nice on these, some of these shirts, but at the same time, yeah, you were like, man, I feel like this message is completely off. So no, I think you hit the nail on the head when it came to niche uh, market on that is I think there's a lot of people that were really crying. Like you said, holding that sign that says we'll hunt for food. There was a lot of people. Um, I wouldn't even say... I've only been doing this podcast now for three years. We're starting year four now. And previous to me starting this, I kind of had that outcry for like, yeah, I, I want to find big bucks, but at the same time, I want to know how to cook my buck that I got last year. Or I want to try something different with, you know, wild Turkey that, you know, my buddy makes one recipe every time. Like, let's expound on that. Let's, let's make something different. And yep. to see that message kind of arise um, was really like something that I was like, yes, just arm pumping for and, and basically, you know, quote unquote, hungry for as as things were developing. Yep. So now that this is like 
taken off? When did you really see like, man, I can take this hunt to eat and transform this not into just t-shirts, not into just wares, but you then expanded out into recipes, articles, and there's work on, on mentorship and hunt camps. When did yep. that shift take over to Friday's? Like, all right, t-shirts is kind of how we push our name, but now this is what we want to be about. Yeah. So I think there was, um, so, uh, we started out right. And it was mostly myself just, you know, we were lucky enough to have the endorsements of my brother and the kind of the meat eater show, um, which was fantastic. That really definitely gave us a boost. Um, and about three years in, uh, my brother left the company, um, and, you know, to work just for meat eater, um, uh, which ultimately was good because that gave me the opportunity to kind of, you know, figure out exactly the direction I wanted to push it in. But yeah, two um, captains you know, when, is always tough, especially yeah, when they're related. Yeah. <laughs> yep, totally. Um, so I think similarly around that time, it really, uh, kind of leaned into the ambassador, uh, team, um, and so that was definitely a good way to, to build. Ultimately, I think we built community first, right? That's kind of our, been our big thing is that, um, I wanted to make it a space where everyone felt like they could come into hunting and, and, uh, and be seen and heard and, and, and valued. Um, and so that really meant having just a really diverse group of, uh, of ambassadors who kind of spoke to the ethos of hunt to eat. Um, so I'd say the community building came first and then, it really, uh, you know, from there, um, and, and it was impressive that, that first like outreach to ambassadors, uh, I don't know if I've said it out loud before on a podcast, but we put out the call for that. And within the first hour of asking for ambassadors, we had over 300 submissions, um, wow. and everybody had to actually write a 500 word essay. Um, so it was pretty incredible just like the response, right. That we got from that. And so, at that point, I think I really knew that we were, we were onto something and people were paying attention. Um, and we kind of rolled with that. So we rolled with that for the next, you know, three years or so. So kind of six years in, maybe six and a half years in, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of the food, you know, essentially engaging our, our community through kind of the eating of, uh, wild game. Um, and then it's really been in the last like year and a half where we've, uh, We've redone the website now twice in the last year and a half, and uh, and I'm just really heavily focused on more editorial content about how to hunt and how to, you know, all the recipes, um, how to, you know, how to how to cook different things. Um, we've, you know, leaned heavily into that, um, and then yeah, just last fall we did our first uh, hunt camp in South Carolina. That was the first one, and then since then we've done another four. Um, and we've got another like 15 on the books or yeah, 10 to 15 on the books for this fall as well. Um, and that's just, it's just compounding now and going into, uh, 2022, we'll have even more. So, oh, um, so cool. That's so that, cool. Yeah. That was like a, um, like I said, I was an adventure educator, right? So I, my whole job was to take people outside and kind of use the out of doors as a context for how to, you know, how to be self-reliant and kind of how to do all those things, teaching people how to, you know, teamwork and all that thing. And, uh, so it kind of seemed like a, it seemed like a good return to home for me to, uh, to build that out with hunt to eat, um, you know, with an education program. Um, and I also just saw, you know, like myself, 
I might have grown up in a hunting family, but I definitely came to it much later. And so given folks who don't come from hunting families, giving them the opportunity for a, uh, essentially a, a welcoming space where they can, uh, where they can ask, um, any question they want and they can kind of get that, get really good education, good mentorship. Um, it seemed like a good next step. Um, similarly, I think that just people in general these days are looking for more experiences um, that will kind of build them out as, uh, as whole individuals. So, um, again, it, it's, it's good business and it's, it's a good thing to do and it's good business as well right now. So good yeah, deal, we're, good uh, deal. Yeah, my, we're, my we're educator heart, I'm a teacher by trade, so I'm right along yep. with you where if I can bring someone along with that maybe didn't have that experience or at the same time, like to maybe shortcut some of my mistakes and be like, Hey, listen, this is what I did wrong. And maybe you can miss that on the, on the way to you becoming better. So that is incredible to hear that that is be, getting more and more attention brain being drawn to it. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that was that first pillar you were talking about. And I pulled those three pillars uh, that you were talking about with, with hunt to eat and that's community, real food and conservation. Um, yeah. How do those three, like standing alone, like you, you just mentioned the community aspect um, and how that was one that you built first, but how does all three of those really bring together uh, your mission for, for Hunt to Eat? How are all three of those being applied? Um, well, ultimately, I think that all three of those things are just, uh, I think that any business ultimately... I, I try to say that as much as I can. I think any business in the entire world, no matter what you're about, um, I think that you should be focused or you would be successful by focusing on those three things. So I think every human in the world wants more connection with the people around them. Um, I think that them knowing where their food comes from is, is really important for not only their own health, but the health of, uh, you know, the health of the world and the health of our ecosystems. Um, and then ultimately, uh, you know, we say conservation because we're focused on hunting, but I think that nature is really that third pillar. And I think that um, most humans are happier and more grounded and better people when they are in connection with nature. Um, so um, it's, it's definitely not something that I, you know, it's not just for us. I think it's good for, for every business to kind of hone in on those things. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it obviously, it works well for us because there is so much, um, there's just a, like, there's in, in being out there and in getting real food, you, uh, you bring that back to your community and you, uh, you know, it builds a connection when you can share, uh, share moments over around a table. Um, and ultimately that builds, uh, that respect for that food ultimately builds more respect for where that food comes from. Um, and, and the ability to, you know, think about protecting those spaces. So, um, yeah, it's, that's a. Gotcha. Yeah. And one thing yeah. I really do focus on too, is like that real food aspect. So I, I really do center in on, on that as well. Um, food has been really important to not only my foundational upbringing, um, and maybe not even necessarily the actual like fuel that was sitting on my plate that I then shoved into my mouth. But at the same time, it was the whole atmosphere around the kitchen. Um, what, growing up and then even into now, like, what is your relationship with, say, with, with food right now? Is it something that 
you are seeing like as a, as a fuel for getting through a hundred miles, or is it something that you that you use more as like a conversation tool, as a way to uh, present what you do? Is it is food something more than fuel to you? I guess that's my question. Um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, it's funny that you ask about like the the food is fuel thing, particularly for a hundred miles, right? Um, when you're racing at that level of, uh, of just exertion, it really comes down to just like what, what fuels a gas tank the best. And that ultimately is, uh, uh, well, people will, there's all kinds of science around this, but people will, some will scoff at this, but ultimately it's just a bunch of sugar. Um, so it's pretty, <laughs> the quick pretty glucose, funny that, eh? <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's pretty funny. Like, um, whereas I try to eat rather healthy in general, um, on days that I'm racing like that, I'm honestly shoving candy bars and sugar down my system, um, to keep going. So, um, yeah, food is fuel. It's, it's a little interesting. I'm not, I'm not like in the paleo, I'm not into fads or diets or anything like that. So I'm pretty just well-rounded, um, well-rounded eater. Um, you know, it's also an interesting conversation just about like what food means to me versus other folks. Um, we grew up kind of poor. Um, and so, you know, these days I, I'm actually more for me, uh, while I appreciate all the good food I get to eat, I ultimately am more excited when I get to eat whatever food I want to eat versus necessarily the best food. Um, just because growing up poor, we didn't always have the opportunity to, you know, to drink real milk. Like we drink a lot of powdered milk and stuff like that. So it's interesting that I I have this particular relationship with food where I'm just like, I get to eat what I want to eat. I'm usually a happy, happy camper. And hopefully I, hopefully that's on the healthier side, but I I won't say that I'm that perfect. Like I definitely, um, you know, I, I love my, there's certain things that I love that people would be like, why in the heck would you ever eat that? And it's like, well, because I can. Um, and that's just, you know, it's a little different than, uh, or it's particular to me, I guess. That is Um, a very, I've ne- like that's a great perspective that I think somehow that I've I've kind of overlooked that that at that point where it's like when you guys were bringing in food for the family or your parents were bringing in food for you know you kids as you're growing up it was like how many calories can we get like we we want to put something on the table and that is becoming difficult uh it's mm-hmm. much harder um for your family as opposed to another family so to be I can almost see like that thankfulness level that you're going through where, you know what, Hey, I get to have options today or, you know, I get to, I get to choose something rather than just be Mm -hmm. happy with whatever has set right down there in front of you. That is a very, that's a very unique situation. Yeah. It's funny because we, my, uh, we grew up mostly living with my mom, uh, with our parents being divorced early. So, um, she was always cooking kind of crazy stuff that we didn't really like as kids. She was like super kind of super healthy. Um, and so she's always trying to push that stuff on us and we didn't really like it. So, um, she actually at a certain point, she ended up just breaking out the budget and as a very pretty young kid, like, and I think even like by third grade, uh, we would go to the grocery store on Sundays and everybody got their own, uh, their own envelope of, uh, of food money. And we kind of bought food, um, on our own. Which is, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, a lot of parents might hear that and go, what do you mean a third brigader is buying his own food? And it's like, yeah, because we got to buy whatever we wanted to eat because my mom knew that at that point that we would eat whatever we bought, right? So, right. I mean, we didn't, she, she didn't let us go too far off the rails. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, we also got 
we got the uh you know not the right but the the responsibility you know to kind of figure out what uh what our food was going to look like for the week so that was pretty interesting um but yeah um you know on, on other food topics i think it's uh I love, I love the idea of venison diplomacy. Um, I love the idea of being able to talk about kind of these bigger, broader reaching topics um, because the food is the thing that brings that conversation to light. Um, so, you know, these days for me hunting uh, my prime, I say my primary source for hunt or primary reason for hunting is probably adventure. Um, but a very close second is the fact that I, I hope to always share that food with folks Um and and talk about where i was and what it looked like and you know what we're doing for the animals around that area and kind of deep dive into some of those conversations um with whoever we're sharing meals with um so yeah how involved are you in the kitchen now do you is it you know kind of (laughs) step one two three here's my food or are you are you beginning to break in with your your options now that you have are you trying to trying to do new things so uh full disclosure in my house like i'm the i'm the grill master if you will and then generally speaking my wife is uh she's really the one who who deep dives into the food and i thoroughly appreciate it because we i mean we love eating all kinds of different things um and so these days now that she's become a hunter herself um you know she's pretty keen on trying to make like last week she made uh like a but like an Indian butter chicken dish, um, but she did it with the with the antelope that she shot herself. Um, so uh, she's definitely the one that's getting a little bit wild and crazy with the meals. Um, usually, if it's my turn, I'm uh, my go tos are kind of uh, turkey carnitas and uh, or just burgers. Um, yeah, or, whatever or, fancy name or, or taco or, you want to add to it. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so she's, you know, but I thoroughly appreciate everything that she does in the kitchen because it's, uh, it's some fantastic stuff. So I think a partnership in the kitchen is a, is a good thing because where I can go off on the rails where I, I want to like, I'm already thinking of a recipe that I want to do not today, not tomorrow, but I'm thinking like, you know, next week because we're having a certain (laughs) set of friends over or something like I'm going to start sourcing the materials or sourcing the ingredients now my wife is like listen it is tuesday we have soccer practice in 45 minutes and we got to get something on these plates and so to see her do magic with say a pound of ground or to be like hey head out to the grill get these things fired up because we're going to be doing like you said like carnitas or we're going to be doing uh fajitas or whatever she's like she'll she can do that midweek stuff and be like you know that what do I want to say? Like a meal in 30 minutes. Like she could write a book mm. on just that. Whereas, you know, dad starts cooking something, you know, right around three o'clock in the afternoon and maybe we'll eat by six thirty. <laughs> yep. So it's good I to have I think, pre- that balance I, yeah. that you have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I appreciate the Instapot these days. Um, we definitely go, we go strong on the Instapot. We also go strong on the, uh, the air fryer. Um, cause it just cuts down the time on some of that stuff. Um, so, oh yeah. yeah. Big lover of the Instapot. I, I want to get old school and go with the old one. Um, my wife is still hesitant on putting a bomb in our kitchen. So yeah, we're going to the electric <laughs> pressure cooker. The, the air fryer, I haven't jumped in on that. What are you making? Oh, in, man. What are you making in your air fryer? I mean, anything that you would, any, like anything that any vegetable that you would roast 
you know, it's like, I mean, it's the same thing, right? It's just, it's just a convection oven. It's just a much smaller convection oven. So, you know, if you were roasting potatoes, um, you know, and that takes you 45 minutes to an hour or whatever, they're done in the, in the air fryer in like 10 minutes. Oh, um, so it's just like speed like, and convenience of that yeah, little roasted goodness you were going after. Totally. You know, any vegetable, like these days we've been doing a lot of uh, kale and beets um, in there. Um, and so it gives you just like a crunchy kale and beet salad real quick. Um, and it takes all five minutes to do it in there. So, um, and I mean, like, honestly, like turkey schnitzel, if we're doing that, um, you make it in there and it's just like, it's much less oil use. Um, so it's, I think it's a little bit healthier for you. You're not totally dunking it in, uh, in, you know, in grease. Um, so yeah, but we use it all the time. Gotcha. Are, are you making basically beet chips at that point? I'm, I'm a big beet lover too. Um, yeah. or are you, is yeah, it, just, are you keeping it, it like thicker how, cut? Well, you know, I'd say they're, I don't know. They're, they're not super thick, but they're also, you know, they've got a little chew to them. They're not like totally, they're not totally dry and chips, right? They're like, um, I don't know. They're that, they're pretty just like good consistency. Gotcha. Yeah. A little more chewy, yeah. a little bit more uh, crispy on the yeah. outside. Yep. Kind of switching gears now. We're going to get into the outdoors here a little bit. I mean, we're still going to stay uh, with the the kitchen here, but what's your favorite critter to chase? Um, I would say that it, for me, it's elk. Um, I've been chasing. That's the thing I've been chasing the longest in the woods. Um, and ultimately with, a um, with a bugle in hand, you know, in September during archery season, it's just that I, you know, turkeys are fantastic. I, I certainly, that's my, my next favorite, um, because of the call and response that you get to have with those animals. But ultimately the call and response of, of a bull elk is just so much more impressive because, it's literally, you know, a thousand pound animal versus a 25 pound animal. So, um, when that, when that bull is standing, you know, five feet away from you on the other side of a pine tree, um, trying to figure out where you're at and it's, and it's bugling and chuckling and doing all its things. Um, uh, there's, I don't think there's a rush. Any other hunting has a rush like that. So, um, that's definitely my favorite. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm, I'm getting excited because 2022, um, nice. I've got one point in and this year I put in another point and we're going to yep. be doing the archery elk ourselves. Um, I'm at the point now where in, it's like in any, Colorado or somewhere else, uh, Montana, we're going to Montana. Montana. Nice. Um, still looking on, on map placements and stuff. We're, we're a year out. So we're, we're still real yep. vague on that, but it's, it's, I want, I don't want to say it's like a, a brotherhood, but there are four guys and we've all been like, all right, we're putting our money in. And so now I've, I've got 50 bucks down on a point and now it's like, oh, I'm invested. You know, granted, there's going to be a lot more investment that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, yep. but at the same time, like, you know, hearing you talk about that being your favorite critter, it's like, oh man, it, it puts shivers on my spine because that's going to be something that I get a chance to experience. I'm at the point though, where it's if whatever legal critter walks out, that's going to be the one that I'm going to take. I know a couple of my buddies have aspirations for, you know, the big bugling elk, but I was like, Hey, if I can, if I can walk out of there with, with a meat animal, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> just happy oh, yeah. as a clam at that point. Definitely. Definitely. Ne- never pass up a shot on an elk. That's a, um, yeah, you want a freezer full for sure. For sure. Particularly if it's your first time, I think, uh, you know, any elk will give you a, a fantastic experience. And if you're actually trying to do it with a bow, 
um yeah i would never pass up a pass up a shot on an animal so yeah we're we're diving in hard but at the same time i'm like oh man even just the adventure i think like you were talking about being uh adventure sports just enjoying it just the camaraderie i think that we're going to build as as the four of us i think it's going to be one of those things like even if we see them or we don't even see them we just hike around montana for a week hey that that's a lot of fun it is it totally is yeah so now the favorite critter to eat you were talking about turkeys there for a little, little bit is it is it a toss-up between elk and turkeys or is there something else in there that's your favorite uh no turkeys definitely i think turkey definitely takes the cake um i i really love like a like essentially what i call a chicken sandwich is made out of turkey right like a a turkey schnitzel sandwich is probably one of my favorite meals um piece of cheese couple of pickles and some barbecue sauce and it's just like i i you know right it's, it's the same uh, idea it's, it's, as chick-fil-a but way better <laughs> but way better exactly yep it's uh and it's so easy um I, I you know i'll say that turkey like uh making carnitas off of the legs is also really good because i will like nail some tacos made out of that stuff as well so um yeah that's i'd say that's definitely my favorite um that being said, it's, uh, we, you know, we ate a lot of elk backstrap this week and, uh, it just, you can never go wrong with that stuff. So, um, yeah, it, but it's, it, it's a toss up, man. There's, like there's so much good wild game. Um, if it's cooked right, that it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint one thing as being that much better than others. Yeah. I was going to say like, I mean, you get into this thing where you have investment into, so it's like whatever critter that you just hunted, like, you know what, that's now my favorite because when you taste it, you're tasting the experience, you're tasting the sweat and tears that went into it. So, yeah, I can definitely see how you're going with that where it's you got favorites, but at the same time, like it might even depend on what critter you're pulling out of the freezer at that point. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to jump a little deeper, and I might we might hear more about these carnitas, just that you've mentioned <laughs> it twice, but we're going to get into the crescendo of our show here. This is the two-dish breakdown this is where i give you a scenario and you got to fill in with what dish is going to be made and the ingredients that are going to go along with it and spare your no details when it comes to this right, do you think you're ready right. for these two i don't know if i am this might be a bit of a challenge for me um but uh we'll, we'll sure she'll try gotcha well this first one i think is going to fall right up your alley since you are developing uh some hunting camps, some mentorships. The scenario is, is you're making meal for folks who are interested in hunting, but are unsure of the taste of venison. What are you making? Are you going to tone down the venison flavor or not? Um, I'm making a, I'm making a burger with Tony C's in it, um, and having them dress it however they want. I think that, uh, I think the burger is so common to people that, uh, and if you put a little bit of that Tony C seasoning in there, um, it might tone down, uh, you know, some, some of the flavor, but not really. I think it just makes it better. Um, so, and people, you know, everyone loves to dress their burger the way they love to dress it. So, um, I think ultimately that just provides people a better burger experience than they've had in the past. Um, and it's a really great first, first meal. It's very approachable. Good. I like we, I like where you went with the approachable bit. That you yeah, know, like whether it's going to get toned down or not, it's something that for, they're familiar with. And 
I mean, you can make a patty out of anything. I mean, I've seen salmon burgers before. Not that I would. Yeah. I'd rather go with a fillet on, on one of those at that point. But at the same time, like making it approachable that someone who's interested in it, like, oh, I could have this burger like every other night. Like, yeah, this is something that's totally feasible. Are you yeah. are you making your own burger, or is that something you're shipping out to the processors? Um, boy, uh, you know the last couple of years. The last couple of years, I'd say the processor is taking care of that for me. Um, I just haven't had a lot of time, honestly. That's my, usually I would, I usually process all my own animals. Um, but the last few years have been so busy during hunting season that, um, I've, you know, I'll, I'll essentially take the, I'll take the big, the big pieces, um, and kind of, uh, we generally keep a lot of things whole, um, but, uh, and I'll cut out kind of the, the roast that I know that I want. And then ultimately everything else goes to a processor. Um, this year we finally are working with some different brands. So I've actually landed a couple of like the bigger, uh, grinders and stuff. So yes. next year we'll, we'll, uh, we'll probably do it ourselves. Um, horsepower in the but, grinder world is key. Yeah, it is all yeah, about totally. slugging that meat through that hole. Yep. Yeah. So ultimately, unfortunately because of time, I've, it, it, uh, and because there's literally a meat processor like a block and a half around from my around the corner from my house. <laughs> it's just so, so convenient. He it, does that every it day. Is, it is very convenient. Yeah. So, uh, and they do a fantastic job. So I trust them to to handle my meat with care. So good deal. Yeah. Now, are you cutting yeah. in any uh, pork fat, beef fat, or are you just saying, "Hey, grind this up for me"? Just going the straight elk or the straight venison on that? Um, no, we cut in uh, we cut in uh, beef fat. Um, we hold a not a totally kosher house, but we have a, um, we don't, we don't eat pig in the house. So, um, yeah, so I cut, uh, I cut beef fat into it usually around 5%. So it just keeps it together a little bit. gives it a, gives it a little fat to, to sizzle on the grill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yeah. I'm a uh, German and Scott in my, my heritage. So pork is, <laughs> is a namestay. So I always go with pork fat on mine, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that if I get to cut in, I get a choice and it's like, I, I just really like that. Uh, the porkiness that goes in, it's, it's not smoked. It's not like throwing in bacon, but having, like you just said, if I can make a patty it, I don't have to mash that sucker together. I don't have to add an right. egg, the fat in there just a little bit, uh, either from whatever, like you said, you were using the beef just holds that patty much better so cutting in yep. some of that it's always a good option yeah all right the last one here mating somehow this is going to be your last meal you are we know that you're going to die tomorrow now this is a scenario you're not <laughs> actually going to die tomorrow but you have one request to be your last meal you get any meal that you want can be made with anything that you want. So this here's where you know you having choices. Now you have the ultimate choice that you need to make. What is going to be your last supper? <laughs> oh, it's funny. The first thing I'd say is a brownie Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we eat a lot of brownie Sundays around here. Um, but uh, boy, you know. it's probably going to be elk backstrap. Um, yeah, I think, uh, kind of a, the quintessential kind of like, uh, 
meat and potatoes meal. I think that is uh, that's if it's going to be wild game, it's going to be all backstrap with like mashed potatoes um, and some sort of vegetable. That's like that's my uh, that's pretty much my big go to um, any any day of the week. Um, yeah, yep, that warms my Midwest heart right there. Meat and potatoes. Yep, <laughs> yep, totally. Um, if it wasn't that, it'd be like it'd be Thai food. <laughs> If <laughs> you drunken noodles with 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 something in it, there you um, go. But yeah, yep. So yeah, it's hard to it's hard to compete against an elk backstrap um, for deliciousness. So yeah, I'll yeah. Go with that. I've had I've had little bits here and there. You know, some friend will come back and be like, "Hey, either I hunted this, or you know, my father in law, or whatever." Like it it works its way into the circles, and to you got, I get a chance to have one of those beautiful backstrap steaks is like, oh man, it is a super treat. I think that's the big motivation why I, I want to jump into that whole thing and, and jump out there and do it myself is I want to be able to score some of that. So no, I think you, yep. you've hit the nail yep. right on the head when it comes to that being the, la- the the last thing that goes in your mouth on earth, being an elk backstrap. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, hey, thank you so much for uh, giving us some time here. Um, I wanted to leave just a few more minutes here at the end because I want I want to let have you uh, point my listeners where can we get involved or where can we find more about Hunt to Eat and you were alluding that you've got some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline here. Yeah, totally. Um, it's kind of the it's it's the most exciting time of year for us. Um, we uh, um, so in in the world of hunt to eat i'm i'm excited to say that we've got new partners at the brand um so if, if folks are familiar with all the good work that project upland does um and the owners there are, are chet and aj from the northwoods collective um they've come on as partners at hunt to eat and so um we really are deep diving in uh you know no longer are we just an education and apparel company but we're also a media company um so as as this podcast hits your listeners ears um, they should come to the website and uh, and think about subscribing to the new Hunt to Eat magazine. Um, we'll have a uh, we'll have a quarterly, roughly ninety six page magazine coming out. The first one will hit your mailboxes October first, um, thereabouts, and then the, it'll continue on kind of February and and then quarterly thereafter. Um, so yeah, Hunt to Eat magazine will have everything uh, you know, stories from our community, recipes. Uh, you know, stories about conservation issues, um, hunting stories. Um, yeah, it'll just be a really good place to get everything from homesteading to gardening to hunting um, tactics. The, the whole nine yards will kind of be in there. Um, and you can definitely expect to kind of see us carry that hunt to eat ethos and sharing stories from folks who probably haven't had their stories, their stories told often in the hunting industry. Um, we'll be covering all that stuff. Um, so, and in the first month we'll have a, we'll have a pretty sweet sweepstakes going on. So if you, if you subscribe to the magazine, you'll be entered to win, um, a bunch of fun, pretty rad gear from a bunch of our partners. Um, and then we've also got, uh, we've got roughly four podcasts coming out, um, in the next couple months here. So just kind of stay tuned to social media. Um, we've got a homesteading podcast. If you're into kind of thinking about your piece of property as a, as a place to, to grow your own food. Um, we've got a couple of chefs coming out with a, a cooking podcast, cooking and foraging podcast. Um, we've got two of our longstanding kind of contributors, Casey and Paul. They'll have the Hunt to Eat show 
um, which will have a, uh, you know, kind of, it'll be built on our pillars. Um, so similarly, like fast paced conversations around um, community, real food and conservation. Um, and then there's a couple other things coming down the pipe as well. So um, yeah, if you go to hunt you can see all that stuff. Uh, we've got a ton of camps this fall. So if folks are, uh, you know, if you're into hunting already and you're looking for a new species, you might check out some of our upland camps um, that we've got going on. Or uh, if you're brand new to hunting or you, uh, you know, you have a friends or family member where they're super brand new to it and they want to go to a place where someone can give them a kind of full, full weekend of education around hunting, then uh, send them our way as well. So, yeah. And if you're, if you care at all about what I have to say, you can find me on Instagram uh, Mothing underscore Patellus, uh, pretty easy. So, yeah. Wow. You heard it here first, folks, that Hunt yeah. to Eat is going to blow up. Media company, they're coming out with a new magazine. They've got podcasts in the works and a show as well. Well, I do have an open space for uh, bathroom reading. So I think the the Hunt to Eat <laughs> magazine is going to have a, a good spot on that shelf there. So that'll be that good. Is a good. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Mating, this has been an awesome hour. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to have you hold on as uh, as I send the folks on out. Sounds good. Thanks thanks for listening, folks. Well, hey, you hear, heard it here, folks, that we're all about our passions. We're all about trying to use the most out of our, uh, out of our wild game. And here's a gentleman who has a company that started out with modest wares and has really turned wild game into a renaissance, giving hunters and anglers a chance to showcase their wild harvest. So folks, as you're going along and thinking, man, I need a new t-shirt, you might want to head over to uh, to Hunt to Eat. But at the same time, there's going to be a heck of a lot more over there that you can check out. But whatever you do, always keep your knives sharp.